Welcome to the Mamas If It podcast, Birth Story Friday. In this birth story, Paige is going to be sharing her four pregnancy stories and two birth stories. Paige did have two early pregnancy losses for her first and third pregnancy. So if listening to stories that include miscarriage, please note that before you listen to the rest of this episode. But Paige did have two birth stories. The first is going to be a hospital elective induction where she did get an epidural. And then the second is going to be a unmedicated birth at a freestanding birth center. A freestanding birth center is different than a hospital birth center because it's a unit that is not attached to a hospital and is a separate facility that runs usually independently and typically midwife run. Paige also shares about her two postpartum experience, especially with her second one, experiencing a positive newborn screen for galactosemia. And she discussed how she navigated this, especially when it comes to breastfeeding and feeding her babies. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama's Hip Hit Podcast, Birth Story Friday. Today we have Paige here who is going to be sharing her four pregnancy stories and two birth stories. Paige's first pregnancy, she did have a pregnancy loss, which she's going to share about. Her second was an epidural hospital birth where she had an elective induction. Her third pregnancy was also a loss, unfortunately. And then her fourth was a birth in a freestanding birth center, which Roxanne is obviously a big fan of. So thank you so much for being here, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's talk about your first pregnancy and what you were kind of preparing for with that pregnancy. Okay, so my story begins in March of 2020. My husband and I just got married in that January of 2020. So we were not trying to get pregnant yet, but I did get a positive pregnancy test around four weeks. And we quickly became really excited. But then a few days later, after we already found out I was pregnant, I started to have some bleeding, took another test and realized I was losing that pregnancy. This was during the COVID shutdown in our area, and I never saw a doctor. So it was just isolating, lonely, and people tried to say nice things, like maybe it was just a false positive. But that honestly added to my confusion and devastation, making me feel like the pregnancy was not validated. But through that experience, it definitely led me to realize that I was ready to be a mom, and my husband and I agreed to start trying. So we tried again. And four months later, we did conceive my first daughter, but it felt like a long four months. But we're thankful that that really is just a short amount of time in the grand scheme of things. How was it navigating a pregnancy after that first loss? After that first loss, I thought since it was my first pregnancy, I was very nervous that maybe something was wrong and that it would be really, really hard for me to get pregnant or um, have a healthy pregnancy. So there was anxiety with that. But then once I did get the next positive pregnancy test, I went back to just being completely joyful and excited and felt like maybe that was just a fluke since it was so early. So this next pregnancy, I really did not struggle with anxiety yet. So how did you prepare for birth during your second pregnancy? What was your plan going in? 
So with this birth, I read what to expect when you're expecting and thought that I knew everything, and I did not. I also spent a lot of time preparing for being a mom, which is great, and making a registry and all those things. But I really looked over birth and did not realize that that was what I really needed to be planning for as well. And so I was really scared of pain. And I'd also never really heard any birth stories before. I only knew of my mom who had epidurals and she enjoyed that experience. So I thought what I was going to do was get induced, get an epidural right away and not ever have any pain. And so that's definitely not how that works. Um, but my baby measured ahead at the 32-week ultrasound. So my doctor was also on board with inducing just to avoid a C-section. I thought that's how I would avoid a C-section because I was scared of having a large baby. So the plan was to induce me at 39 weeks. So how was your birth? So you got induced at 39 weeks. And what happened? So uh, since this was still during the COVID shutdown times, it was just my husband and I. We arrived around 4 p.m. and waited in the room until 7 p.m. when the doctor placed the Foley bulb. And I immediately had pain. I thought that uh, she would place the bulb and then I would send my husband to go get dinner. So I came to the hospital hungry, which was a horrible idea. As soon as that bulb was placed, I realized the last thing I wanted to do was eat. I was in so much pain and was very nauseous. But also, I did not feel waves of contractions coming and going. I had instant back pain, and it was just constant. And when my daughter was born, she was born OP or sunny side up. So that definitely contributed to it. And so since I was in just so much constant pain right away, I begged for my epidural. And the nurse told me that I was not going to be given an epidural until my water broke. And that's when I started to panic and was shocked. And she said she could give me some IV meds instead. So she gave me the IV meds and they worked well at first. And I felt much pain relief, but I also started to feel loopy and was singing songs and just not myself. And then it wore off right away or a few minutes later. And so I asked for more and she gave me all the doses that were allowed I think maybe within an hour or so, and I think it may have been about four doses, they kept wearing off quicker and quicker. And so then she told me she could not give me any more. I'd ran out of the allowed doses. So that made me nervous and upset that I was feeling all this pain again. And then also my baby's heart rate had been decelerating with each contraction. I could tell the nurse was nervous about this, but I, again, wasn't really educated on birth, so I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew things weren't great. Around this time at 3 a.m., my water did break spontaneously, and it was like the movies. It was a gush of water exploding. It sounded like someone pouring buckets on the floor. And so the nurse was so kind to run in and clean everything up, and she told me she was so excited because now I could get my epidural. And I had a great experience with the epidural being placed. The anesthesiologist was wonderful and got it in in one try. And I felt immediate pain relief. But then shortly after that, we realized my baby and I were not tolerating the epidural well. So my blood pressure dropped and I felt like I was going to pass out. I was in and out of sleep, which this was the middle of the night. So I was excited to get some sleep, but I just wasn't feeling mentally all there. And then my baby's heart rate decelerated a lot from that. So I remember laying there on my side at one point 
and seeing about two or three, I think it was three nurses run in and check the monitor and stare at the screen like they were nervous. And then I saw them relax because her heart rate did resolve. But in that moment, I didn't fully understand how bad that was. I was just thinking, hmm, that must not be good. But I just wasn't fully aware and fully mentally myself. And during all of this, the nurse kept having me flip from side to side to see if something would help the baby's heart rate, but nothing was working. And so then I started to come to and got nervous that I was going to have a C-section. So at the 7 a.m. shift change, I asked my new nurse if I was going to have a C-section, and she said she was not going to sugarcoat things and that it was quite possible, but she tried to encourage me and say either way we would meet my baby today and whatnot. But as soon as she left the room, I started to have an anxiety attack. I was crying. My heart was just racing. That was the only thing I did know about birth was that I just did not want a C-section. I really wanted a vaginal birth. So at 9 a.m., my doctor came in with another nurse, and they were so kind. And they told me if I could just calm down, that it would help not only myself, but also my baby's heart rate. So she also told me she was going to start Pitocin and see if that would move things along. And then if it didn't, then we probably would make the decision on a C-section really soon. So she pushed Pitocin. She left the room. And since it was just my husband and I, I had not been telling my family what was going on. I didn't want to make anybody nervous, but I figured this is about to be it. So I called my mom and I asked her to get the family to pray. And then we turned on my favorite worship playlist. We prayed, we started to calm down. I started to calm down a lot. And then my nurse came back at 10. And so I asked her to check me and she said that baby was here. She could see her head. She saw light colored hair. She started pushing stuff aside and was getting ready for me to push. And so I was so, so excited, so relieved that she was gonna be born vaginally. So then it was time to push. I started pushing by breathing out as I pushed and she told me that was wrong. She said I needed to hold my breath. And so then I started to push that way, but my contractions were still five minutes apart at this point. So I would push and then we would have a whole five minutes to sit there and wait. And the nurse struck up some conversation during this time. And I found that to be really awkward. I, I know she was trying to fill the silence, but it was hard for me to focus on pushing and then chit chat about who we might know in common and then push again. So that, that made it hard for me to focus. But I pushed for one hour total, and the OB came in right on time at 11.03 a.m., and she was born. She was 7 pounds, 13 ounces, so not huge. That wasn't necessary to induce for that reason. And she was 19 inches and three-quarter inches long. And they placed her on my chest. We had a wonderful golden hour. And it, it was so beautiful and thrilling to meet my daughter after all of that. How was postpartum for you? Um, postpartum in the hospital, she did have trouble regulating her temperature. So my baby was sent to the warmer for 30 minutes, which made me nervous, but she was fine after that. She also had a little bit of jaundice, but that resolved itself before we left the hospital. And then I had one first degree internal tear, but I thought that I still had a very easy physical recovery. Mentally, I had two weeks of baby blues for sure. I left the hospital crying and cried a lot, but that with sleep de deprivation did affect me mentally at first, but I never had true postpartum depression or anything. I was able to go on walks pretty soon and get in a good routine. And so overall, 
I had a good postpartum. I was happy to have avoided the C-section. But later on, as I processed my birth, I felt guilty that my baby went through so many struggles in birth that I felt like I probably could have avoided if I was not induced. And I also started to realize that I felt like a passive participant in my birth instead of an active one. And like things just kind of happened to me. And so I knew that if I had more children, which we always wanted, that I would want things to be different. And so that's when I started to look into unmedicated birth. So let's get into your third pregnancy. How did you navigate that? And what were you starting to do to prepare for your second birth? So in the summer of 22, my first daughter was one year old and my husband was about to go off to army basic training. So we decided we had about one month. We wanted our children to be close together. Let's just not prevent and see what happened. And I fell pregnant right away. And so since my husband was going to be gone for about five months, we did go ahead and tell family and friends. Then he left. And so me and my daughter moved in with my parents about an hour and a half away from where we had been living. And I went to my first OB appointment and she had an ultrasound machine on her phone. And so it was small and not as high quality. And when she checked the baby, she said, I think I see a flutter, but I'm not so sure. So come back in a week and we'll have an ultrasound with the tech and the nice machine. So I left that feeling like maybe something was wrong, but I was pretty positive and tried to be hopeful. But then when I came back at the eight-week appointment and had the real ultrasound in the room, as soon as she turned on that machine, I knew that something was wrong. It was just like an eerie quietness instead of the ultrasounds I had seen with my healthy baby. I just uh, knew. And then she took, took me in the room with the doctor, and the doctor told me I was having a miscarriage. I was absolutely devastated. It just felt like an extra blow with my husband being away. And communication is limited at basic training. And uh, But we had been having weekly phone calls. So the week I was going to tell him was the one week out of his whole basic training that their phones got taken away. So then I had to hang on to that news for another week. And that was, it was just very difficult. But because I had told family and friends, I had a huge network of support. And I believe, you know, God got me through that. I also got a jogging stroller. I had been a runner before my first daughter. After she was born, I thought I would never run again. My pelvic floor just didn't like high impact exercise. But once I got that jogging stroller, I knew I needed something for myself to focus on with him being gone and with that devastating news. And it was my lifesaver. I got back into running. I was able to bring my toddler with me. And so the jogging stroller helped my physical and mental health greatly. And that was huge for me. That's great. I'm really glad that you had a good support system for you at home, even though your husband was awake. That was something that I found with my losses made a huge difference in my healing was having other people who like knew about the pregnancy and then also knew about the loss to kind of like check in on me and see how I was doing. So I'm I'm glad that you had, I'm not glad you had a loss, but I'm glad you had a support team. So how was going into your fourth pregnancy then? So in my fourth pregnancy, fast forward to that fall, my husband and I were reunited. He graduated from basic training in AIT. We decided to try again right away because we wanted our children so close together. And so after two cycles, we conceived our second daughter. And this time I did struggle a lot more with anxiety. I had cramping right away, which I had never had before. So I thought surely I was miscarrying. 
and just really struggling with anxiety that things were going to go wrong again. So we booked a private ultrasound at six weeks and then we saw a heartbeat. So that gave me a lot more confidence that things would go well, but I definitely still struggled here and there. The miscarriage taught me that I can't really control anything. So I still had an underlying sense of peace, but still struggled with that. However, this pregnancy was more physically healthy for sure. I wasn't as sick and was able to eat better. In my third trimester was when I found the Mama Stay Fit workout program. I actually, at the end of my second trimester, had torn my abdomen a little bit uh, while playing with my daughter. It ended up just being muscular. Nothing was wrong with the baby. But um, I realized I wanted to start working out at home. I had been a part of a workout group for moms and children on post. But then after that injury, I realized I wanted to work out at home at my own pace. And that's when I found the Mama Stay Fit program. And that was a game changer for me. I had been mentally preparing for this birth like it was one of the biggest events of my life. And so it just makes sense. Why not physically train for the biggest event of your life as well? The workouts eliminated my SI joint pain, increased my strength and confidence that I would be able to move properly for me and my baby in birth. And the best part of that program was the partner workouts at the end. That's where my husband and I practiced counter pressure. And we had kind of read about it before, but practicing it and practicing birth positions was huge. And so I will say that the counter pressure he applied on my low back was hands down the best comfort measure that I got to use in my second birth. And also I did see an OB at 11 weeks for this pregnancy, but since I started to look into natural birth, I got nervous that I would not be able to follow through with not getting any pain medication if I went to the hospital. So at 16 weeks, I switched from an OB to a birth center nearby. We found one, the Waco Birth Center, that would take our health insurance. And so at 16 weeks, that's when I switched to that. And I loved the midwifery model of care. I felt so seen and heard. It was a Christian birth center, which I never heard of before, but that just means they shared my faith as well. So we had a lot in common. And especially when I struggled with anxiety, I could text my midwife and she would answer me right away, give me suggestions and just calm me down. So that is like nothing that I feel like you can get at a hospital. Overall, my pregnancy was, I felt more supported in it and more physically strong and prepared for birth. Well, I'm glad that we got to be a part of your birth preparation to one, help you get rid of that SI joint pain and then also help you prepare for birth with your partner. So let's get into your second birth story at the Freestanding Birth Center. So waiting for birth to start, I did want to go into labor spontaneously. And it was a little confusing, though, when that would be. I kind of had two due dates. The OB that I saw first changed my due date earlier by nine days because my baby measured that far ahead. And so I just had my heart set that she would come at that earlier date. And then she didn't. And it was record high temperatures in Texas, just miserable. So I did have a stretch and sweep done that week at that 40 week appointment and nothing happened. And then the next week I had a stretch and sweep at my 41 week appointment based off of that earlier due date on my husband's birthday. And that night at midnight, I started to have period-like cramps. And so I woke up, but I was able to go back to sleep. And then at 2.15 a.m., 
I had cramps that I realized were coming and going and were actually timeable. So I got up and was excited, but I had been really worried about setting off a false alarm with false labor because we had an hour drive and needed childcare for my oldest daughter. So I just didn't want to tell a bunch of people and then it'd be false labor. So I decided to just labor alone in the living room and the contractions were mild and sporadic at first, just easy to handle. So then after a while, I laid down on the couch and they slowed down. For 25 minutes, I had no contraction. So then I got disappointed and went to bed thinking it was false labor. But then I had more contractions in the bed that were hard to ignore. So I did tell my husband that I think this could be it, but I'm not sure. So he got up around 5.30 a.m. to get ready. And my mom was also in town, so I woke her up and told her to get ready. Since we had an hour drive and it was my second birth, I told the midwives I was nervous about having the baby in the car. And so they said, as soon as the contractions were in a real pattern that I could come. So I sent them a screenshot of my timer app and asked if it was a pattern. And they said, my contractions were not in a real pattern yet, but that I could come uh, to Waco, just eat, be in town, hang out, and then I wouldn't be a stress. So we decided that was a good plan. We put on my TENS machine, which I also loved the TENS machine. We got my friend to come over to watch my daughter, and then we left the house at 9.30 a.m. We went to this beautiful park in Waco called Cameron Park and took about a 30-minute walk. And then on that walk, that was when I had some contractions that made me have to stop and focus, and my husband was starting to put the pressure on my low back. And so then I remembered how hungry I was in my first labor and thought we need to go get some lunch before this picks up too much. So we went and got lunch. And in the bathroom of the restaurant, I had some contractions that I knew were different. They were harder to manage. I had a lot of pressure. So I texted my midwife and she said to meet her at the birth center. So we grabbed our food and left and arrived at the birth center at 12. And so they checked me there and I was already six centimeters. And so I knew, finally knew it was not false labor and I was thrilled. I was so excited. We got admitted into the birthing suite and they started to fill up the tub. It was just absolutely beautiful and peaceful. I wasn't sure how I would like the water, but as soon as I got in, I loved it more than I expected to. It definitely helped with my pain. And my husband was still applying the counter pressure over the tub. And they came and checked my baby's heart rate and it looked great. And I just remember feeling a piece that was opposite of my first birth and feeling like this was going to be worth it because she was doing so well. After a while, the midwife came in and asked if I thought the water was slowing down my labor. And I said, yes, it felt like I had just had less contractions at all. So she told me to get out and take a break um, and that they would come check me in a little while. So I got out and the contractions hit hard. I really started to doubt myself. I couldn't get comfortable with my TENS unit back on. I sat backwards on the toilet, didn't like it. I got on my hands and knees with the birth ball, didn't like it. And I just felt like I wasn't sure if I could go on, if I could do this. And so she came in and checked me and said I was a nine. So I realized now that I was going through transition. And she said, whenever I felt like it, I could push. So I was very excited. She also said I could get back in the water. That hadn't slowed down anything. So I got back in the water and waited a little while longer. And then at 2 p.m., I started to try to push. But it scared me. It was very painful. So I screamed, I'm scared to push. 
And they ran in. They knelt down in front of the tub, both of the midwives. And I was on my hands and knees gripping the tub and they were facing me in the tub and they were so just gentle and calm and how they spoke to me. And I had put in my birth plan that I didn't want any coaching with pushing because that nurse in my first birth made me feel like my instincts were wrong and like I didn't know how to push and I didn't like that feeling. So I asked for no coaching, but then in this birth, I started to feel really unsure of myself and like I didn't know what to do. So I did ask for some coaching and they were so kind and gentle and told me to let a contraction build up and then lean into that and push. But I, at this point, no longer felt contractions coming and going. I think I had pushed enough that her head was right there. I don't know. I just felt constant pain. And people talk about the ring of fire. I honestly felt like I was feeling the pelvis of fire. It was really rough. It's definitely a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yes. And this is when I started to have an out-of-body experience. I closed my eyes. I just saw all black. My husband later told me things the midwives were saying to me, like to get more lower on my knees in the water. I don't remember any of that. It was just kind of me alone in my own world. And so I just went for it pushing and then my water broke. And since I felt a sense of relief, I thought that I gave birth to my daughter. And I <laughs> asked, where is she? And they kind of oh, looked no. at me and were saying, she's coming. I know it was, whew, that was so disappointing. And so then I really leaned into this. I was like, we got to get this done. So I pushed as hard as I could. And a few minutes later, her head came out and then her body came out with some wiggling from the midwife. And at 2.16 p.m., she was born. So I only pushed 16 minutes. Thank God, because that was rough, but it was so worth it. As soon as she came out, my husband caught her and then they passed her up to my chest. I had so much relief and joy and I just remember thinking that was such a beautiful, indescribable moment to hold my rainbow baby. And I couldn't have done it without my husband and his support. It was just a beautiful experience. So would you have an, another unmedicated birth if you guys decide to have another baby? Absolutely. Um, I remember saying afterwards that that pushing was a bit of birth control. <laughs> but, but It definitely uh, does. <laughs> Yes, but hands down, I would do it again for the peace that I felt my baby had a much healthier chance. So I'm obviously a huge fan of water birth, so I love that you got to experience that. But how was your postpartum experience with your second birth? So immediately, I did have a lot of bleeding in the water. The midwives helped rush me to the bed where I got a shot of Pitocin in my leg, which stopped the bleeding. But um, they did tell me to take it easy for a few days. I also did have a good bit of tearing. I had about three or four tears, one which was a second degree. Her head was 14 inches, so they said that definitely contributed to everything and to my struggle with pushing. And so physically, I thought I was going to have an easier postpartum recovery with a natural birth, but that was not the case for me. I also had a hematoma pop up a few days after I made it home and that popped a stitch open. So that was very painful. It took me a while to figure out what was going on and send it to the midwives. And I got checked out and was not having any infection, but I did have to sit on the boppy for at least three weeks. Um, even in public, I brought that thing with me everywhere. And so that with recovering from the bleeding made my physical recovery slower than I had expected. As far as my baby, she was 
very healthy. Um, I did forget to mention, so as far as the due date confusion went, she was born on the due date based off of my last menstrual period. But she came out with long nails and dry skin. So it's possible she was conceived early and just came late. I feel like we'll never know. It was confusing. But due dates, they're just a guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so she came out very healthy. But then after a few days of being home, I realized nursing wasn't going super well. I did nurse my first daughter her whole first year. So I started to realize quickly that something was not right. I had a lot of pain still and engorgement, and she wasn't draining my breasts fully. So I had her evaluated, and she did have a tongue and a lip tie that we got revised at one week old. And that was a night and day difference. That allowed her to nurse well, and it, it was a great decision for her. But then at 13 days old, I got a call from my midwife that my daughter's newborn screening had came back abnormal for galactosemia. She said we needed to stop breastfeeding right away, switch to soy formula, and get an emergency appointment with our pediatrician right away. I was shocked, devastated, crying. I never heard of being told to stop breastfeeding. And so we're kind of Googling things on the way to the doctor, sent my husband to rush and get soy formula. And then once we got there, the doctor checked her out and said she looked physically great, but she did still give us a paper on galactosemia. And so what it is, is when a person is missing or has much less of this enzyme that digests galactose. Galactose is a sugar byproduct of lactose. It's found in cow's milk and it's also found in breast milk. So even if the mother cuts out all dairy, it's still in breast milk. And uh, they sent us home with this paper saying that this galactose can build up in their body and cause physical damage to things like their liver, their kidneys, their eyes, their brain. They can have um, mental and physical disabilities in their future. So we were just shocked and confused and trying to process through all this. But they did say we would have more testing to confirm if this diagnosis was true for her or not. So we still stuck with the soy formula while we waited for her further results to come back. And after about two weeks or more, we got her results that said she had Duarte galactosemia, which is a much less severe form, it almost doesn't affect them at all. It just means they have a different form of these genes. Um, and then a metabolic specialist looked at her results and told us she's actually just a carrier. So she really does not have to have soy. However, she does have a 75% function of her enzyme. Like it still somehow affects her a little. So we kept her on soy for a little while longer because we, we did notice her tolerate it better, but it's not an emergency for her or life or death. She's completely fine. That was a relief. My heart definitely goes out to those moms who that may not be the case for, and they, their children may have the classic form. And also switching to bottle feeding was a shock for me. It was nothing I expected to ever do, but I really actually enjoyed a lot about it. I enjoyed getting help from my husband more easily and from other people to help with my daughter. I felt like that helped with my, my mental health during such a whirlwind and difficult postpartum with all the appointments we'd already been rushing to for the tongue tie and lip tie. So it ended up being a good thing for us. And although it was a whirlwind of a postpartum experience, we're doing great now. I also did do the free early postpartum Mama Stay Fit program. And then I bought the return to running program 
and I'm working through that right now. And that has been wonderful. I do feel like my pelvic floor is so much healthier and like I will be able to run very soon. So that has been wonderful for me. Did you continue to pump during that time just in case if you wanted to start breastfeeding again or did you kind of just stop and completely switch over to the bottles and then stay there? So the day that we were told everything, it was not clear to us that this could be a possibility that she may not have the classic form. So in my mind, we were just done. And then when we went back to the birth center to get my daughter's tongue and lip tie looked at, the midwife there encouraged me to pump in the meantime. And so then I felt a little overwhelmed by that, but I did decide to try it. But then when we got home, it did not work for me. I realized it was too much for my mental health on top of everything else we had been dealing with. So for me, I made the decision to just stop pumping. I felt like I didn't have time to pump and then feed and go to all these appointments. However, pumping was, like I said, recommended. So if someone wanted to do that while they waited for these results, they could, but it just didn't work out for me. And pumping, I think is worse than breastfeeding personally. I felt like it was so much harder than just popping a step. And you gotta clean them. So I totally get that it can definitely make it a little bit more stressful. Yes. And with the newborn screen, I'm glad that they did explain that you do need to, you know, do the further testing afterwards because it is just a screening. So sometimes things could come back and be actually serious and sometimes they're completely within normal limits, just like it did in your case. So, well, thank you so much, Paige, for coming on the podcast and sharing your Ford pregnancy stories, your two birth stories and your postpartum stories. There was definitely a lot. And I think there's going to be a lot of really great information for folks that are listening to this episode. So thank you again for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Diaz, and I just wanted to share how much I absolutely loved the Beyond Postpartum Fitness Program. I wish I had found this program sooner, is all I want to say. I had had a twin birth and completed the 16th week uh, postpartum fitness program for Mama Stay Fit. And after that, I just started bouncing around from different programs to different programs. But I'd get to a certain point in the program where I felt like I would meet a space where I couldn't lift any heavier or it would result in pain. At about 18 months postpartum, I actually injured my back trying to work through one of these programs that left me literally at ground zero, worse than I was post-birth. And that's when I found the Mama Stay Fit Beyond Postpartum Fitness Program. When I started this program four months ago, I literally could only squat a barbell. I didn't have a lot of pulling strength. I would, after movement, I'd be in a lot of pain. And once I started doing the program, I consistently for four months, I gradually started to get back my strength and my stability and wasn't in pain anymore when I was working out. The program includes a lot of your basic strength movements like squatting, deadlifting, pull-ups, bench pressing, all those things that you need strength, but the supporting exercises around it really also help build that core strength up and build a lot of stability that I was lacking. The program's also really exciting because the cycles change and the goals for each cycle change. So you might be building some 
strength in one program or in one cycle and then it's going to lead you into endurance strength in the next cycle. So it keeps it really exciting to be a part of a weekly program where the movements are changing, they're building on each other, but it's also your fitness goals are changing with each one. And I really will use this program probably way beyond being postpartum now that I'm, you know, two and a half years postpartum and will use it as long as I can because I just love it so much. I've never felt as strong as I have now since before I was pregnant and I really credit it to this program. I mean, the last cycle we did, I didn't have a single strict pull up before and by the end of it, I could do 10. How exciting is that? That's awesome. I feel so strong. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the Mama Safe Fit Birth Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. If you're pregnant and you're looking for more support throughout your pregnancy, you can join our online prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education course. If you're postpartum and you're looking for some support after birth, you can join our postpartum education courses and our postpartum fitness programs. Our postpartum education course now includes infant CPR, infant massage, and then also includes includes newborn care. If you're a professional and you're wanting to learn from our professional expertise, you can join our online birth workers course or our pre and postnatal fitness trainer course where you can earn CEUs and learn more from us. As I thank you for listening to this episode, you can use code STORY10 to get 10% off any of our online fitness programs and online education courses.